The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. It's finders keepers. Yeah, but you didn't find it, did you? It landed on your lap. You're supposed to give it back, not stick it with your jumper. <laughs> so did you enjoy it then? I did as it goes. Thanks for sorting it. It was uh, my idea, actually. Oh, and a good one. Who knew? See, now you've got something you can do together. But they caught you on CCTV, you know. Tim, let it go. Right, I'm going to get off. And welcome to episode 78 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish and Street Catcher podcast that never would have guessed that Robert's monstrosity of a big daddy necklace would have had more comebacks than Liberace, Elvis, Lazarus and Jim McDonald combined. I'm Gavin. And I hate snow. Um, I hate snow <laughs> and I'm not well. Yeah, yeah, we were both sick and now I'm feeling better and you're still quite roughed up. I think I got rid of it to you and you just give it straight back to me. I've been <laughs> sick since Florida. Yeah, no, you've been sick for a while. For about a month. Yeah. <laughs> and I got rid of it last weekend for 36 hours and it came back again. Yeah. On Sunday night. And that's been me all week. Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't feeling 100% after, after Comic-Con and I thought it was just because I'd been walking around all day, but right. I was just achy and just worn down and getting flu-like symptoms for most of this week so either patrick warburton or gandalf got me sick right <laughs> how was your comic-con like i'm going to pretend that i know anything that you're about to tell me it was good it was good uh Stella and i got to walk around like i said we found one other wizard you know well, and one other person pretending to be a wizard and you know, so Ga- and so I was chatting with Gandalf, and then people started asking to no, take our picture. You were speaking so. to someone pretending to be Gandalf. There's a distinction. That's and all the- I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and Stella and I got to meet uh, Patrick Warburton, that you s- who you still don't know who that no, is. No, that was somebody pretending to be Patrick Warburton. <laughs> no, it really was Patrick Warburton. <laughs> Actually, I recognised him with that big fucking chin that he's got. <laughs> he was in Ted, I think. He was... Mark Wahlberg's boss at the probably at the car rental in Ted. I think I recognise him from that. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was in anything else though. Yeah, like a million other things. <laughs> Our friend Kim seems to have a crush on him somehow for some reason. Kim so, that's married to Tim. Yes, Kim that's married to Tim. Okay, there we go. <laughs> because like all of the 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 pictures that I post on Facebook, she's like, "Oh, he's so hot," and I'm like. Really, he's, he's a nice guy. He was. He was. He was absolutely lovely. Sally said to him, "Hello, famous person," and he said to her, "Hello, famous actress." <laughs> oh, what? And then he what sparkling comeback? <laughs> and then, like, uh, I had him sign this uh, a picture of of his character Kronk from um, 
uh, Emperor's New Groove. You're losing me. For, um, as as a Christmas present for someone, and like he 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 wrote like a whole bunch of his quotes from the movie, on there, um, and that was lovely. You know, all he had to do was just sign his name, and that would be then the end of it. But no, he he wrote a whole bunch of different quotes and everything, and then he busy gave, was he? He gave <laughs> actually he was quite busy. We. We would have come home a lot sooner had we not had to wait for him to get back from lunch. And and then we got back in line and then they said, no, he's going for lunch now. And we're like, well, you told us two hours ago that he was going for lunch two hours ago. And they're like, oh, well, we made a mistake. And so they kind of snuck us in before he went to go do the professional photos and everything. But oh. So you interrupted his lunch then? <laughs> no. No. Then, then what happened then? I don't. But anyway, it was fun, and we we got to see lots of cool things. They had the mystery machine and uh, Kit from Knight Rider, and uh, Ecto One was there, and they had R two D two was going around and everything, and they had the dragons from um, How to Train Your Dragon and everything, and lots of people in great costumes. So it was fun. I do like a Comic Con. I like dressing up. I'm a nerd. Right. <laughs> it's just a convention center full of virgins, isn't it? Well, I wasn't a virgin. <laughs> well, not notwithstanding. Ah, <laughs> oh dear, I'm sure it's fun if you're into that sort of thing. Oh uh, yeah, I know. It's it's fun, you know, and. Ugh, it was just nice to get out and go and spend the whole day with Stelly and do something fun and get out of the house and not have to think about the heavy the heavy burden of responsibility that was waiting for me at home. Which was what? Which is everything. Really? Not you though. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're easy. Yeah. You're 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 an easy responsibility. You're a nice thing to come home to. I was working on our uh, Christmas, well, not our Christmas party, uh, at work, the Christmas party trivia uh-huh. that I did last year that was a, such a huge success, I was asked to do it again. Well, part of the huge success is just because you're so charming. Well, obviously. <laughs> so Tony's not there and Ryan's going off on maternity leave, so it's me and Audrey that are trying to put it together. And she was doing the round of uh, identifying famous people from their... High school, college yearbook Ooh, photographs, which that's is a, interesting. a great idea. Well, that is a great idea. Unfortunately, it's completely fucking wasted on me because I don't know who anybody is. Although I did recognise, I'm sure you recognise some people. Somebody, but I didn't. I didn't recognise Jennifer Garner, or it wasn't Jennifer Garner. It was somebody. Who something. <laughs> so this is a great story, but it was basically <laughs> because I don't know who Patrick Warburton is. I'm not a great person to be judging who. Celebrities are, but anyway, let's crack on, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not feeling very well. Shall I'm we? Pre- shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Oh, oh, give me some of that Corey news. Jean Ferguson, who played Dorothy Hoyle on Corey, has sadly passed away. She was 74. I don't think I was watching it at that time. Yeah, it was uh, 2010 to 2011 she was on the show. Yeah, probably. She was also on a um, 
a sitcom for longer before that. Um, she had like a, oh gosh, now I can't remember the name of the sitcom. Uh, it was one of those British sitcoms with a really long name. I don't understand why it was. Put the, put the kettle on while I'm parched. <laughs> no. Days of Wine and Roses, maybe? The Last like of the Summer Wine. Yes, The Last of the Summer Wine. That's the Last weird... of the Summer Wine has been running, I don't know if it's still on or not. It's fact, not. I think it, it might not be, but it ran for maybe 70 years or something. Yeah, she was on it the whole time. It was old men going down the hill in the bath. <laughs> which pretty much what the whole thing was about. Which is why it was so successful. Right. So, so who was she in that? She was uh, she was like one of the main characters, I believe. Oh, she was involved with John Stape. It all comes back to John Stape. Yes. Well, yeah. On on Corey, not on uh, no. Days of Wine and Roses or whatever it's called. The last, last of the, of the summer, summer wine. wine. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I know wine's involved somehow. Put the kettle on Mother I'm parched. <laughs> Now playing at the Lyceum Theatre, <laughs> Chipping Sodbury. <laughs> Dorothy Hoyle. Dorothy Hoyle. She was she she was involved in a kidnapping plot. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's something Corey's really good at. Oh, we haven't had a kidnapping plot in almost a year weeks. now. Absolutely weeks. Yeah. Oh, she was Marina in Last of Summer Wine. Yes. All right, okay. I know who she is now. Okay. In happier news, Andrew Wyman, a.k.a. R. Kirky, has joined the lineup for the next series of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. That starts on Sunday, I believe. That will be, he will be the 11th member of the Corey cast to do the show. Oh, interesting. Yes. Normally they kind of wait until they're out of it. Oh well. You know, well, like maybe Cass because and doing maybe and all that. maybe because uh, although Beth's in the right because uh, it's probably because Beth is in because he's like a late addition right. to the cast. Caitlyn Jenner's going to be uh, on it with him. Buckle up, Buckaroo. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember when I found that Bruce Jenner board game in your um, cousin's garage yes. back in Scotland? Yes, and I was like. What is this? How did this get here? <laughs> I totally should have taken that. Many moons and a penis ago. <laughs> I don't know if that's appropriate. Well, that's true, isn't it? It was a long time ago. Well, yes, it was a long time. And well, a, a, long, ago. A, a long time ago that Caitlyn Jenner was known as something else. Hmm. Yeah, but not. She was already Caitlyn Jenner when I found the Bruce Jenner board game, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <clears throat> Lastly. Yes. And, you know, the short film, Hope Dies Last, directed by Ben Price. And written by Ben Price. Has now been released on Vimeo. So do check that out. Have you checked it out yet? I have not had time. It lasts for seven minutes. I'm sure you, I'm sure you can find seven minutes. Do you know my life? I, I know that you can find seven minutes, absolutely. It's good. It's well worth a watch. It's, Probably. It's about... Uh, like, I've been trying really hard not to watch depressing things when I have a chance to actually sit down and watch television because I, I rarely get a chance to watch television. So when I'm watching television, I want something that's going to make me laugh and kind this of zone out. This won't make you laugh. No. It's yeah. not, not depressing. 
It's about the Holocaust, isn't it? Well, it's about the guy that cut the hair off uh, Hess. Rudolf Hess. Rudolf Hess. Rudolf Hess. And he did it, as was the fashion of the time, with a straight razor. So it's a kind of the power dynamic between this guy who's in a concentration camp who could right. who had who, multiple opportunities to kill yes. Hess and, and and didn't and didn't do it because he would spoiler have been alert killed. right right so it's interesting how the, the, the kind of deal with the power shift of it and plays about with focus quite a lot that's really interesting isn't there a scene like that in Schindler's List. I don't remember very much about Schindler's List, but there is a scene like that in the Game of the Thrones. Mm-hmm. The Ramsay Bolton, yes, reek thing. yes, yes. No, in Schindler's List, it's it's the it's the woman in the concentration camp and the really horrible Nazi played by what's his name, and she has to shave him with a straight razor, and has the opportunity to kill him mm-hmm. and and doesn't. So that's a common theme. Yep, it's done very well. There's not a mm-hmm. single word of dialogue in it. Really, really good. Interesting. Well worth a watch. Interesting. So search for Hope Dies Last on Vimeo. Yes. Or go to bolo.com and I think you'll find it there. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, but I've been, like I said, especially now the Bake Off is gone. <laughs> there's there's no joy in the world anymore. Um, no, I, I'm just binging Shit's Creek and, and Billy on the Street and, and that's about it. Because, I, I, like I said, I want things that make me laugh and that I don't need to concentrate too hard on. Well, if, if Hope Dies Last makes by, you laugh, then there's something by, very wrong with you. And made by Jewish comedians. so. Yeah. Very inclusive. <laughs> and that's Corey News. Our mailbag. I was complaining last week, remember? Were you? I kind of. There wasn't very much in their mailbag. I can think oh. I called it slim pickings or something like oh, that. Oh, yes. And I said, but we have lots of all of these tweets. But anyway. Anyway. This week's mailbag. Is very full. Is fit to burst. Woohoo. A new correspondent. <gasps> I'm going to have to take a run to say this one correctly. His name's John. <laughs> and he's, which I'm not worried okay. about. It's the next right. bit that I'm worried about. In Pukekohe, New Zealand. I think I got that right. Okay. He wrote in as we were recording last week's episode. Actually, as we were recording it. He says, Ooh. hi guys, just wanted to say I really enjoy your podcast. You're doing Aww, a great job. Thank you. A couple of thoughts on this week's Corey. One, I've not been a big fan of Paul up until now, but I thought his visiting Josh in hospital was well written and superbly acted. Yes. Two, Tim's fucking dad was hilarious this week. <laughs> I hope they're planning a painful death for him down the track. Oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> and then I got a really interesting email from Dan Howell from goodelf.co.uk. He got in touch. Ooh. Good elf are a company that specialise in Christmas trees and various accoutrements, such as lighting and stands and what have you. They've partnered with William Hill Bookmakers to come up with some Coronation Street Christmas odds, which he was kind enough to share with us. Oh, is he going to send us some? He he has them. So I'm going to tell you what the thing is, Uh and you tell me what the chances of that are based on goodelf.co.uk. It'll become clear. So the chances of a I'm family confused. the chances of a family bust up at Christmas on Coronation Street, what do you reckon? In percentage terms. One hundred percent. There's ninety one percent of that happening according to William Hill and Goodelf.co.uk. Ah. The chance of a wedding. Seventy five. Oh, you're so close. Seventy one percent. Ooh. Who do you think's getting married at Christmas? Um 
Gosh, I don't know now. Right? That's something you could be you could possibly be getting married. Yeah. Oh, and, well. Well, somebody got married last Christmas, right? People could be getting married, but will they go through with it? Because I'm thinking Robert and Michelle. Well, they're not getting married. Well, maybe they are. Who knows? No. That's not going to happen. Because, well, we'll talk about that later. Someone ruining a turkey. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Just the 61% chance of that. Really? That it's, if there's less of a chance of somebody ruining the turkey than getting married? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, um, um, Chesney and Gemma are going to get married Christmas. Chance of a birth? 100%. Forty. Happy birthday, Jesus. 40% chance of that. Oh, That's Irish Tino's, isn't it? About 10 weeks away from Christmas. Yeah. A chance of a Christmas sing-along. <laughs> 100%. I would say we've 100% already had, for that. We've already had a Christmas sing-along on Corey this Just year. Just 5% chance that Rita's going to fucking sing a song again at Christmas. Oh, she always well, sings Rita. a song. Yeah. But, and the chance of an affair slash fling. 65. 30% chance of oh. that. So if you're interested in wasting some money by betting on these things, you can go to williamhill.co.uk, I'm sure. And if you're interested in buying a Christmas tree or various accoutrements, Goodelf.co.uk. Yeah, so they're not going to send us a Christmas tree or various accoutrements? I believe not, no. Oh. Chloe from Nova Scotia wrote in to say... Oh, yay, Nova Scotia. This is... I, was, I was in two minds whether to read this or not. And then Uh-oh. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to be true to Chloe and I'm going to read this out. <laughs> she says, like many women, I've been in abusive relationships, not all of them being the pretend you walk in the door, fell down the stairs variety. And because I got through it, I'm happy to share that I was once in a relationship where my partner crashed the car, and even though I was at home in bed at the time, somehow this was all my fault. The Tim's fucking dad Yasmin storyline is hugely triggering for me, but I'm impressed by how honestly the show is presenting it. You and me both, Chloe. I'm, I'm right there with you, girl. And I'm, I'm very sorry that you had to go through this. It is not your fault. Yeah, I think she knows that. Well, yeah, but sometimes it's nice to hear it. And, and it's but, nice. It's nice when I hear it, right? Because <laughs> there are still times, you know, when I will say something and you'll be like, "Well, no, of course not. Why would anyone think that?" And I'll be like, "Oh, my darling." Oh, you're gonna Prince call me. Men. You're gonna call me my your sweet summer child again, aren't you? No, you're a prince among men because the, the the fact that you find some of the things that I say or that I assume horrifying, you're just, you're the best. And I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for being one of the good ones. I finally found a good one. On a lighter note, damn it. <laughs> Scott wrote on Twitter, I thought I hated Tim's dad and then I heard Helen let rip. <laughs> Thank you, Scott, at Mersey Tart. Thank you. Please Thank follow Mersey Tart. He's hilarious. <laughs> yes. That's like one of my favorite tweets of all time. That's, that's, that's like in the top five up there with uh, when uh, Neil Gaiman retweeted me that I, one time. I laughed out loud so much at that. <laughs> because he really does hate Tim's dad. Yeah. <laughs> but Just like I do. Not as much as you do. Hang St. Connor. Bloop, 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 bloop. 
Yellow Ribbon is indeed told from the perspective of someone who has done their time, which is why I thought it was a prison or a criminal aspect to it. But the writer L. Russell Brown confirmed it was written from the POV of a union POW going home. Yes. And after I thought about it, the actual murderer song I was thinking about was Delilah by Tom Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Delilah's about murder? I saw the knife that was something. Why, Delilah? And I sucked the knife in his head and he laughed no more. That was a lyric or a rough approximation of it. The big farmer guy we saw last week was indeed the same big farmer guy we saw getting lifted in the hospital back in September. Really? He was very clean and was dressed in white back then compared to being a bit dishevelled and in black with a gag around his neck last week and he was wearing glasses then and isn't wearing glasses now. But it was definitely the same bloke. All right, see. See, this is why it's so believable that Clark Kent can put on glasses and nobody knows that he's Superman. Right. Glasses. I can sit here being me and when I do this. (gasps) Who are you? You have no fucking idea who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh? (laughs) That'll do, pig. (laughs) I didn't didn't mean it to come out like that. My, oh, you're a tit. My words with friend's name is Gaviano B. Gaviano space B. Ah. The letter B. Last year tonight. Oh, my new favourite segment. I've been working on different names for this over the past couple of weeks, but I think I've settled now on last year tonight. Okay. And I can't get the, the steam tune to work, so we'll just have we'll, to... We'll, we'll figure it out eventually. We'll crack on without it. Last year, our episode was Tawdry Audrey. Oh, I love that one. Tadri Audrey is like one of my favourites. <laughs> this was round about the time that her Blue Yeti method of recording was starting to fail us. We'd continue on with it for a few weeks more, but the writing was on the wall. We needed to upgrade and we needed gear. And gear we now have. <laughs> the Blue Yeti is still sitting here though. Yep. It's now an expensive paperweight. <laughs> it's, 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 it's decor. It's a chunky bit of kit. If anybody wants it. They can't have it. No. Make no, an we're offer. Gonna, we're going to... Put it in the Smithsonian. <laughs> I was Gavin, and you were sure it was a bacteria. Because <laughs> this time last year we were sick as as well. Right. This is this is the thing, and I thanks to Facebook, especially in Facebook memories, I now know that I get sick at certain times of the year, every single year. Right. Because <laughs> I'll look through my Facebook memories and be like, oh. I was sick last year as well. Hmm. I'm going to try and bomb through this because we've been going for about 25 minutes. That's all right. In the hindsight corner, we went through the heritage of Ruby and the relationship with Hope, which led us to discuss that time the neighbours wanted us to sign a contract to let the kids play on the trampoline. <laughs> that still cracks me up. Hmm. I learned that Benny's root beer wasn't bangs, it was barks, and you were hiding vodka from me. <laughs> was I? Yes. You got some fancy vodka. And I was like, oh, we had vodka? And you're like, yeah, I was hiding it. <laughs> Audrey's at the Northwest Regional Stylist Awards where she drinks a wee bit too many G&Ts, oh, I love this. wins a Lifetime Achievement Award and throws a bouquet at Claudia and then drops a mic and says, Audrey out. Yes. Adam helps Amy draft a contract between her and her parents, which Tracy gets very bored with very quickly. Abby gets done with covering for Seb, smashing As up the florist shop. Oh, Abby, says Ken. Oh, we had fun going through the Barlows in alphabetical order that <laughs> Abe promises to kill. And then Seb has a bright idea of getting custody of his siblings. 
Where is Seb? We haven't seen Seb in no ages. Sinead meets Steph, who for a couple of weeks I wasn't sure wasn't a figment of Sinead's imagination. And Steph is treating her own cancer with poopery, organic green tea, wheatgrass and crossed fingers. Did you say poopery? I did, by mistake. <laughs> in these days, we finish recording round about midnight and we're, although it's only 8.16, we're kind of heading for that tonight. Poopery really is a thing though. Our moment of the week was Audrey throwing the bouquet and our boring moment of the week, wheatgrass. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? <laughs> yes, please. Okay, our first storyline tonight is Brother by the Same Mother. On Monday, it's early morning and Roy has sat up all night on the laptop. Carla catches him and is concerned. She doesn't want him going overboard. He explains that he's waiting for a bingo. That's playing seven letters in Scrabble. Correct. Why won't his opponent take his turn? And Carla closes the laptop and tells him to take a break. And, of course, he doesn't. No. And that Roy, rolls, Roy catches Carla snooping on his laptop. She demands to know who this mysterious Scrabble player is. He tells her he is not a problem for her to solve and then storms out. And of course he's found later in the community garden and after all this time, says Carla, you still refuse to let me in. And Roy reveals that he thinks the Scrabble guy is his half-brother. And also, Carla, get over yourself. (laughs) That was a fair comment, wasn't it? No! Roy's allowed to have secrets. Roy doesn't have to tell Carla everything. Yeah, I suppose. Carla needs to fuck off. Oh, Roy reveals that his half-brother doesn't know about the connection. He found him from the correspondence his mother had about the affair. They referred to an issue which he worked out was their offspring and he traced his mother to a women's shelter who kept unofficial records. She gave birth to a boy who was adopted by the name of Richard Lucas and apparently social media did the rest. I love it didn't make any sense. He's not 100% but Richard revealed that he grew up in Southport and Carla wants to find him, but Roy isn't convinced. He can't face meeting the son his mother wished she'd kept. Which was a weird jump for Roy to make. That this that her his mother wished she'd kept this child when she had him for a very brief time. Right. And did keep Roy and raised Roy. And yes, she was horrible. But she was there. You know? It... It it was just, it seemed like a very odd leap for him to make. Yeah, Carla isn't even thinking about letting him get away with that. No. Yeah, she says that Sylvia was only ever happy when she was miserable. And that actually rings true for Roy. Carla says Sylvia chose him. Roy reveals that he has Richard's address but he doesn't want to intrude. And Carla says that people intruding on her life gave her Johnny and Aidan and that other one. I think her name is Kate. Was it? I think so. Hmm. More importantly, Roy's on Facebook, y'all. Yes, he still doesn't have a phone. No. But he's on Facebook. Right. That's hilarious. That's how I used to be on Facebook all the time. In like 2008. <laughs> you would only ever check your Facebook on the laptop because your phone couldn't really do it. Yeah. Anyway, so they go off to find them and they arrive at a big fancy house that isn't what either of them imagined. But, but a big fancy not... house isn't really a big fancy house. It's no. actually made up of much smaller apartments and it's a yes. bit dingier inside. Yes. And Roy starts to lose his nerve when he gets to Richard's door. Carla hasn't and she knocks on the door and then a young goth girl answers and claims to have never heard of Richard yeah, Lucas. Our niece, Kaylin, is somehow in this show. <laughs> Hi, Kaylin. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you. Thought, I was like, how did Kaylin get in this show? Nice to see you finally taking off that wee lace band thing that you have around your neck. <laughs> That <laughs> you've been wearing for three years. <laughs> Hi, Kaylin. 
Oh, it does look very much like Kaylin. It's Kaylin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen to this, it's fine. <laughs> uh, so she claims to never heard her Richard Lucas and closes the door on them. And inside the flat, we see an infirm man who's been playing Scrabble with a girl that we learn is his daughter. They're playing on the board until they can afford to get the internets back on again. And that's all that happens on Monday. On Wednesday then, Carla is up and about and she has an idea. Roy rolls his eyes. She's suspicious that the girl from the other day wasn't exactly forthcoming with the truth. I wasn't sure why she lied. I think she just, she's suspicious of strangers, which I can kind of understand. But even without, didn't even ask who, who these people were. Just shut the door on them and threw them away. Yeah. It's a strange thing to do. So anyway. Kaylin does lots of weird things. <laughs> oh, God, are we going to call her Kaylin all the way through this? <laughs> this is the definition of a new joke. <laughs> there are three people, four people in the world, maybe. There's less than half a dozen people in the world who are going to get this. And only two of them listen to this. <laughs> and they're both us. I think anybody who knows Kaylin would get this. Roy and Carla are outside Richard's flat with a, when a home help barges past and confirms that yes, this is Richard Lucas's house, and she ends up inviting them in, which wasn't really her place to do. Yeah, um, what are the what are the health privacy laws in the UK? I think we got the impression that this home help isn't very good at her job. She's got no bedside manner. She's continually in a rush to get on to the next one. She doesn't give well, a shit. Well, she's probably overworked. Right. But still. So the home help says that Richard has pulmonary thrombosis, I think. Yes. And has an infection. She's quite shocked with him, but then wakes him up and then she rushes off. Roy thinks her timing is dreadful, but Carla thinks he needs family right now because it looks like he's on death's door. Roy goes into the room and introduces himself as Roy and then as Batman. Batman is his Scrabble name. Why? I don't believe Batman was available as a username for Roy to take. Probably not. Not, not. for a second. <laughs> and, unless it's like Bat underscore man. Even that's gone. I don't understand why Roy would choose Batman. Because he likes bats. Oh, yeah, I guess. But he also likes trains. Train man? Conductor. Lionel. Lover. I don't know. There's, there's lots of things that you... None of these really ring a same sort of bell as Batman does, I have to say. Yeah, but still. Conductor guy? No. I'm Batman. I'm conductor guy. (laughs) I'm Batman. Roy is boring Carla and Richard about Scrabble in different languages. When Nina, Kaylin, comes in, Richard introduces them to her. You know, in in three months' time, she's not going to be a goth, so let's just enjoy it while (laughs) while she is. Richard introduces them to her, still thinking Roy is just a Scrabble player. Richard sends her off to make sandwiches or something that wasn't paying attention. Privately, Nina isn't happy with Roy and Carla dropping in again. She insists that they're fine, even though Richard is dying. Roy uh, asks. She also thinks that they're going that they're there to steal money or something. They don't have any money, so yeah, you can just fuck off if you think you're going to get any money out of them. Roy asks after the prognosis, but Nina throws them both out. So cruel, says Roy, and Carla says that he has to tell Richard who he is before it's too late. Correct. And somehow Roy and Carla have managed to blag their way back into the flat. Roy apologises for returning and he spies a chessboard and starts talking about his parents who used to play. And this gets Richard to talk about his family. And then Roy admits, we're half-brothers, he says. Yep. Richard takes the news... Quite well. Rather well. Yes. (laughs) 
He knew he was adopted, but he always wondered about his real parents. He mentions that his wife passed away some years ago and that he himself is terminally ill. Roy talks about the letters between his mum and Richard's dad, Raymond, about the baby and that Sylvia died earlier this year. Roy worries that telling Richard wasn't the right thing to do, but Richard, who seems to be picking his battles as far as things to overthink is concerned, reckons this ties up the loose ends of his life very nicely. Thank you very much. Yes. And meanwhile outside, Carla's pleading Roy's case in front of Nina. He's a good man and she should count herself lucky. But she doesn't feel very lucky because her dad's dying and she doesn't really give a and shit about a long lost uncle. Dead. Right. right, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, says Carla, but don't give up on Roy. So Richard and Roy have enjoyed the game of chess and then Richard tells Nina about how much Roy has helped him and he wants to get to know him while there's still time. Nina has family now and Richard asks Roy to bring some photos and letters the next time he visits. Yes, and also uh, the phone number of their half-sister or or Richard's half-sister. Right. Yes, wouldn't be Roy's half-sister. So I think it was kind of predictable that this half-brother was going to be dying. Well, yeah. Because the show's not interested in the half-brother. No. The show's interested in Nina. Yeah, yes. So That's why they made her a goth. Right, so Nina's going to end up... Because we needed a goth at Coronation Street. Because <laughs> ever since Richard Fleischman left, there hasn't really been very much in the way No, of... and now he walks around nude on a uh, Hulu show. Splendid. Right, yeah. Remember I told you about uh, yes. he was in Four Weddings and a Funeral, the show. Right. So, yeah, so the show's far more interested than Nina... Right. And the relationship that she's going to have with Roy and with Roy Carla in a kind of odd couple type way. She's going to be initially very uh, brusque and yes. standoffish right. and rude. Yes. And is going to be a constant thorn in Roy's side uh-huh. until something happens that uh, makes her realise the error of her ways. She bucks up her ideas. She becomes nice and she takes all that horrible black makeup off and becomes just a conformed member of the of the cast. And then she will leave. Right, and that takes us up to about maybe May next year. Couldn't we have just had Wayne back? Give us fucking Wayne. Give us Wayne back. We want Wayne. I don't want this. <laughs> this, this character don't who might say... as well be black and white. <laughs> Give us Wayne back. She's she's almost to the point where she kind of reminds me of uh, Winona Ryder's character in um, in Beetlejuice. Only not Beetlejuice the movie, the caricature of Winona Ryder in the Beetlejuice animated cartoon that came after the movie. Oh, and Wednesday Adams. Well, the way she has her hair up like this, that's what reminds me of uh, uh, Winona Ryder's character in Beetlejuice. Too many things in her nose. Lots of things going on. In too many things. Less is more, the one thing in the septum. No, I think there's a, a little there ring in the... Nostril as well. You don't know it, audience, but we are both <laughs> poking our fingers in our nostrils. And believe me, m- my nostrils are not a place I want to be a poking for any length of time. This is all been you held need together. To, like blow some squishy stuff up your nose to clear it out. Some saline. Oh God, no. Yes, it will help. Not a chance. It will help. Uh, despite all this, I kind of, I kind of like. Roy getting a story like this, it brings out the best in Roy. Right. It gives him some screen. And this time. will be the first the first quote unquote foster he'll have had since um his wife died. Yes? Because he didn't foster any children after she died. I don't believe so. No. This Unless we're good. missing something very obvious. Right. Which I don't think we are. 
Well. Next week. <laughs> hindsight quarter. And it'll turn out that we've talked about it previously in hindsight Probably, quarter as well. Yes. I just want Wayne back. Bring back Wayne. Whatever Would happened it kill them the... to bring back Wayne? Would it kill? Would it hurt people to bring Wayne back? Is anybody ever going to get convicted or anything for this whole roof collapse? Have we just forgotten about that? Yeah, that's so it would seem. Uh, okay, let's, let's get this over and done with. Tim's fucking dad. Oh, no. On Monday. No, I don't. At home, this... Yasmin slides Tim's dad a dollar and insists la, 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 she has more to spend la, 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 in Vegas, but Tim's dad is adamant. He doesn't want to go to Vegas anymore. He continues to gaslight her, says that he's heading out, but she ignores it and asks him to come back in time for the flight, and he just walks away. So she's at home looking at her passport and she's about to text Tim's dad when she changes her mind. And I was like, well, I'm glad you changed your mind about that. I was happy about that. Mm-hmm. When Tim's dad comes home, he finds that Yasmin has packed their bags and he takes umbrage at the fact that she's packed his bag. She right. thinks how, does t- she, how does she know what he would want to wear to Vegas? You have three shirts and two pairs of pants. And you're an asshole. <laughs> and you're an asshole. She thinks they're too late now, but he reveals that the time that he told Yasmin was actually checking time, and they have three hours beyond that. But he's not sure he wants to go on holiday anymore, and so she begs him. He hasn't really bought tickets anywhere, has he? Yeah. You really think? Yeah. Because they're away, they're, they've got to Vegas. He's going to murder her, isn't he? In no, Vegas. no. Yasmin and Tim's dad are off to Vegas after all and Yasmin thanks him for forgiving her and tells him that she loves him oh, Tim's dad blames me. Sharif for her attitude towards him oh, he says go fuck yourself he says not all men are adulterers and then along no, comes just, all, just everyone involved with Yasmin just all Tim's dads are pricks Ugh. along comes Alia who says that she's going to be snowed under with them away but she promises to look after the house and the chickens so that's nice isn't it Helen the it chickens is nice. are going to be well looked after. Yes. And off Jasmine and Tim's fucking dad go to Vegas. Hopefully he'll have a heart attack on the flight. <laughs> and that's not going to happen either. I'm very no. pleased though that we only got just a few scenes of that on Monday and then <sighs> no more of it. Because it's very hard to deal with this. And it re- it, I, I cannot take more than one day of it a week. I otherwise really in small doses. So no doubt this is all going to continue when they're in Vegas and it'll... I think this is going to give us a couple of weeks where maybe we don't have to think about this. Oh, Let's hope so. Please. Our next storyline tonight is the baby face of fresh goes. Oh. On Monday at the hotel in Wales, Bernie's stocking up on the booze from the mini bar when Gemma comes in. You know what? As she was doing that, I was like, wait a second, I don't think this was included. Of course it isn't. <laughs> if anything, your hair's done. It's, it's hugely overpriced. She's excited that wedding neonatal has finally gotten some beds for the quads. They're going home today. Woohoo! In comes Tara Swift from Freshco's with more swag for the quads. She wants the babies to be the faces of the new Freshco's ad campaign. What do you think? Tara talks about long-term brand identity and the well-being of the kids as her number one priority. And Gemma politely turns it down. She's had enough of being famous and that's fine by Chesney, who takes Cara's car... Tara's card anyway and they're ready to get home yeah because she comes in with Chesney Chesney seems well chuffed with this idea it's like he set it up yeah but what was hilarious after they turned her down uh-huh. there's a scene where Bernie is moving her bag from her left hand side over and her right hand side and uh-huh. then back again and the, the clunking noises it makes That's ridiculous all the miniatures in it and nobody twigs nobody says 
your bag's making a funny noise there. Right, yeah. And then she moves it back again and makes like conk. Yeah. It <laughs> cracked me up. I think uh, Gemma's kind of toned herself down a little bit. Absolutely. She's a mum now. That, that happens. And plus... Becoming a mum toned me down. <laughs> In what way? Well, you didn't know me before. I was no, a mum. No. Kind of scary. Way back, way back when I was twenty-two. Gemma and the clan get home, and immediately she gets a call just as Bernie starts wiring into the miniatures. Chesney comes in and sees all the bottles in Bernie's bag, and Gemma says it was the hotel on the phone, and they owe five hundred quid for the incidentals. Bernie apparently has been going back and forth between there and Wales, stocking up on the stuff. Right, yeah. <laughs> the fridge. And They're like, oh, we thought you, we thought you cared like, about the kids. Where did all this booze come from? That was, that was the funniest part, as Joseph said. Where's all these bottles come from? <laughs> she thought it was free, and no one has the 500 quid needed to pay it all off. So on Wednesday, Chesney has agreed a repayment plan with a hotel, and Bernie thinks Freshcos would solve everyone's problems, but Gemma doesn't think this is anyone else's problem but Bernie's. Correct. And she's absolutely bloody right about yeah, that. Yeah, seriously. Chess has come round to the Freshco's idea. He thinks they should be able to get five grand out of them and maybe even start no- negotiations at ten. <gasps> Gemma reluctantly agrees. So Gemma and Chess have invited the Freshco's woman back. I forget her name. Tara. Tess? Tara. Tara? Tara. Okay. <laughs> she makes them an offer with the quads on their own baby brand products and then offers them 50 grand right off the bat. Right. And, and Gemma's eyes... Yeah, Gemma's. Gemma just shuts her mouth because I think she's scared that if she says anything, she's going to screw everything up. Right, yes. I thought it was just a perfect reaction from, it from was, her. It was, it was delightful. It was I loved it. And it was funny because the woman's like, now, we're not the biggest. We're not right, the biggest afford, fish in the pond. We can't afford the most. We can't do, you know, a lot. But this is what we could offer. So Tara leaves when Gemma's mouth is still wide open. It turns out Chesney, bless him. Turned that 50 grand down, I've managed to wangle another 10 out of it. I know. Taking it up to well 60. Well done, Chez. That's exactly what I've written down. Well done, comma, Chez. <laughs> so on Friday, do we take a little shift in the storyline here and Paul is going through photos of the quads with Billy when Bernie and Gemma come in and Paul instantly gives his mum the stink eye. Gemma. Which is weird because they drove up together to Wales Gemma and is, were fine together. She's sick of this snarky attitude. She wants everyone to get along. She wants Uncle Paul to take the quads out to get their ears pierced and buy them their first pint of snake bite. Presumably not today. <laughs> no, <laughs> not not for another 16 years. Paul is coaxed into agreeing by Billy, but when the subject of a returning Kel comes up, oh. Paul's out of there. Quick shot. No, thank you. So Bernie's getting to know Billy later. She wishes Paul was a proper gay who wanted to go shopping with her and listen to Kylie Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> It's funnier saying it than it was listening to it. <laughs> Does she not realise that Sean is right there with no parents to speak of that she can take shopping and listen to Kylie Minogue with? Poor Carol. <laughs> Billy advises she gets to know her son, but she's given him a wide berth. And then Billy meets Paul outside and tries to remind him of happy memories with his mum. And he says those are all in the past. So Billy, again, just trying to get involved in something that doesn't really involve him here. I think he just wants Paul to be happy because he loves Paul. Bernie asks Billy for a reference, but Billy says he can go one better than that and offers her a job as a cleaner at the church, just as Kel drives his shitty car back onto the street. This yellow shit thing. stain of a car. <laughs> yellow thing. 
no idea what it was. Which is, um, Bertie describes Billy's eyes like sad cow eyes or something. Something like that, right. <laughs> She's been getting some pretty good lines. Good lines, yes. So, Chez and Gemma and Bernie and Kale go off for a chippy to celebrate uh, Bernie getting a new job. And then later, Billy gets a private word with Kel. He doesn't want him anywhere near that house and tells him to stay away from Joseph. And this seems to surprise Kel, but he doesn't argue and he just lets Billy walk away. Yes, it's a thoughtful look on his face. So that's as far as we've got with that this week. Yes. Thoughts on this storyline? <sighs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're... we're it, it seems like we're going to get Kel getting his comeuppance and... Not getting away with abusing Paul when Paul was right. a child, so I'm I'm happy for that. I just stuff has been so heavy on Corey that I kind of wish we'd had a bit of a longer break from Kel. Yeah, at least to get the baby settled and everything, because the whole baby stuff is just delightful. And, it's, it's and a you're light right, relief, right, Gemma is. Just come into her own, and it's it's a delight to watch. I'm enjoying that. I really yeah, am. Me too. I like the fact that they're being used as a they can light off some fairly dark storylines. The lightness right, of it is yeah. the cause. But and they get a bit of a rags to riches there with the sixty grand. Yeah, it's kind of actually made Chesney a little bit interesting as well. Yes. Yeah, because he's how the did one that happen? He's the one who kind of sticks up for them and negotiates more money and, and stuff. And yeah. Mm. Mm. Well done, Chase. Yeah. Yeah, quite enjoying it. Yes, me too. The whole uh, Kel thing, though, that, yeah, that, that, can't, can go that can't be done quick enough as far as, oh. far as I'm concerned. Okay, I'm not feeling very well. Let's move on. <laughs> Our next story link tonight. This actually might be a penultimate. No, it's not. Emma's new family. Oh, on Wednesday, Steve is licking his cereal milk off his spoon like he's a dog. Yeah, that was weird. While Amy looks on in disbelief that her father could be such a fucking animal. Yes, I like the look on Amy's face. It was priceless. It was priceless. I don't understand what Steve is doing because I've never seen him eat like that before. No, that seemed a little bit beyond the delightful Muppet face that that we know and love. You know, because Steve can be ridiculous and do ridiculous things. But that was just a little... Firing his tongue about like that was, yeah. Disturbing. Like, wrapping himself in saran wrap and pretending to be a velociraptor with Tim. Fine. Perfect. (laughs) All day long. This, I don't don't need to see Steve's tongue that much. No. No. And I'm sure Amy doesn't. No. Pretty sure Emma doesn't. Right. I mean, here he's trying to bond with his daughter that he didn't know is his daughter for as long as she's been alive. Yes. And and he's acting like an idiot. So he blames her mood on Tyler, and Amy doesn't think Steve is so well positioned that he can talk about anyone else's relationships. Well done, Amy. Fair point. Emma thinks the atmosphere has been awful in the house, so she proposes a family night, and Steve wins the first draw to make the first choice. Tonight's fun is going to be on him, and Steve's idea of fun is going to see Weddy County with Tim. Of course. Emma's into it, but Amy refuses to wear a scarf. And Tim Aww. and Steve go off for a pint, and Emma looks like her new family isn't a fucking bomb scare after all. Nope. Which is quite nice. Yes. But as it happened, 
Amy Fair enjoyed the game. Absolutely. So much so, she even stole the match ball. Tim worries <laughs> that this will all have been caught on CCTV, and Amy tells him to let it go. And tomorrow is Amy's choice, and she chooses to go and see Little Mix. And then Tim lifts the ball and takes the ball back with him. Oh, did he? Yes. So he, he stole the... He stole the ball from Amy. As he left, I didn't, I'm surprised you didn't notice didn't that. Notice that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on, Tim. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny then. That was funny. So we are led to believe that because. Are you familiar at all with Little Mix? I think I, kn- I, think I know some. I think they won the X Factor a few years ago. Yeah. They're a fairly big deal. Right. We're led to believe that. But Steve has. extra cash lying around to spend 70 quid per ticket for the three of them to To go see Little Mix tomorrow. Tomorrow. And that they're still available. Right. Because they'd be sold out like the day day that they went on sale. Or scalped to fuck. Right. Well, maybe that's what the 70... Oh, no. 70 would be the starting price for the the worst seats in the house, probably. Yeah. I I found that far-fetched. But anyway... go from Weddy County to a little mix concert uh-huh. and Steve's okay with footing the bill well he gets to look at Nubel young women his daughters? no <laughs> little mix they're a girl band are they? yeah I thought they were a boy band no it's supposed to be a little minx isn't it? I thought it was a play on that hmm they're definitely female okay I, I, I believe you on Friday Emma and Amy are getting ready for little mix and Maria wonders when Emma's going to come home, and Amy's appalled at the idea of her new sister leaving. All good things come to an end, says Emma, and Maria goes to help her pack. Later in Roy's roles, Amy is jealous that Emma and Maria are excitedly talking about Christmas decorations. Yeah, they won the X Factor in 2011. Little right. mix. So she fakes a fall in the middle of the cafe. They and she goes not, down. They are not who I thought they were. Like a ton of bricks. It's a rank she says to Aggie and Asha, and Emma help her up and take her back to the flat. So Amy's stretched out on the couch. And it turns out Emma isn't the best nurse in the world and then asks if Amy has any friends who can use the little mix tickets. Amy thinks they can still make it. She's feeling better and says that she can walk it off. And when Emma protests, Amy comes clean. There's fuck all wrong with my ankle, she says. She just didn't want Emma to leave. Which Amy calls cute. it stupid it. and it was the only way Emma would stay. But Emma continues to pack and says that she's moving round the corner and Amy can come and sleep at hers anytime. And, and it was quite nice family, that Amy she's said, not going to go away. well, you know what, this is exactly what Robert said when he split up with my mum and I never get to see him anymore. And this is the same thing that Michelle said uh, when she split from her dad and I never get to see her either. You're better off, Amy. <laughs> you are better off without those two people in your life. Run like the wind, Amy. You are better off. And and also, isn't she supposed to still be mad at Robert for grassing her up about the whole Tyler thing? Right. It was weird that Robert and Michelle are the ones that she mentions. Mm-hmm. But still. Emma says that was different though. We're family. Yeah, we're actually family. And she says it's just the beginning and then they get ready for their stupid concert. So that's kind of nice. I don't see this yeah. has got much more mileage in it. No, it's just, it's just well, building, building the family up some more and yep. using the family now that Tracy's gone out with Liz to Spain to see Andy for some reason. And it's still there. Yes. Our penultimate storyline tonight. Wow. Wuthering Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) He's clean. Haggly beard. 
on Friday, Ken and Claude are back from Scotland because the funeral is tomorrow, but they've had no luck. And, and apparently Scotland has given Ken a cough. Right. Now this is something oh, that we... Scotland! <laughs> this is something that we start to worry about because soap characters don't just get coughs for no reason. No, yes. So Ken's worried that he's going to harm himself. Not Ken. Daniel's going to harm himself. Correct. Just because he has Bertie, this is no guarantee that's not going to happen and this gives Peter something to think about. Meanwhile, Beth and Kirk are in Roy's roles and Kirk is sure Daniel will show up for the funeral but Beth isn't so confident and she worries that she should be getting Sinead cremated instead. This is the hardest thing she's ever had to do because there's so many nice things you can do for a cremation. Right, you can get yourself made into a diamond or um, like a little necklace right. or, um, or, or, or mixed with paint and then somebody would paint you onto a canvas. Or uh, 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 tattoo ink. That's a thing. No, it sounds horrible. I know, but it's, apparently it's a thing. No. No. I love you, but no. I love you, <laughs> but no. No. Peter finally gets through to Daniel on the phone. Bertie is keeping him sane, he says. Peter asks where he is and offers to come get him, but Daniel isn't ready. Only we don't hear any of that. We just hear Peter Peter's no. reaction. Peter explains about Ken looking for him, but that doesn't seem to cut anything with Daniel. You've had this poor 80-year-old man wandering the hills of Scotland, the dangerous, <laughs> dangerous backwoods of Scotland. <laughs> Round about my mum's house. <laughs> Daniel's in a field that's up the road. <laughs> I've actually written that next. Daniel's in a field that's up the road from my mum's house, staring at a cityscape in the distance that doesn't look particularly Scottish. Maybe this isn't my mum's house after all. Mm. And he's fantasising about the world that he's left behind in Manchester, where Sinead is still alive, where they laughed and argued. And made love. But, and, where, and where all the pain still is. They made love. Don't stop at you. <laughs> <laughs> When Daniel says it, it reminds me, you would, there was this SNL sketch years ago with, um, with Will Ferrell and, um, I can't remember who, who the woman was with him and, and they would, you know, refer to the, one another as their lovers and it was, I'm not describing it very well. No, you're not. (laughs) But that kind of skeevy seventies vibe of of that SNL skit is kind of what Daniel talking about making love in an apartment. It gives me the same vibes, and that makes me feel bad because Sinead is dead. Yeah, I kind of cringed a lot when he said what you said. He said Rachel Dratch. Rachel Dratch is the is the as the comedian who who is with Will Ferrell in the jacuzzi, in the Love Oz. <laughs> Why is your nose making clicking noises? Oh, he can't go back, he says, and this is all a bit over-egged. And Bertie looks bored out of his tree. He puts up with a shite for two weeks, he says. <laughs> <laughs> and then Peter arrives in the scene. Thank fuck, says Bertie. <laughs> Peter explains how easy oh, it was to find Daniel, who isn't in Scotland. In fact, he seems to be just outside Manchester. Right. Peter mentions something about a guest house and a landlady aware of his routine who was uh, very helpful. And Daniel seemingly has told Peter where he was. Enough's enough, says Peter. You're up a hill with a ten-month-old baby in the middle of November and you were talking to yourself a couple of minutes ago. Let's go home. But Daniel says he can't face it. Maybe not ever. And then, and More then eggs. he also says... More eggs, Mr. Osborne. And More the, eggs. And, and then he, 
He throws Carla under the bus saying, I'm not crazy like Carla. Right. You're bird. Yeah. Thanks, Pe- thanks, Daniel. Thanks Pe- for that. Peter tells him he can't run away from himself, but Daniel is scared of the tinkers. <laughs> but not like that. Who who is it? <laughs> Canada scored. Did you see that? Oh yeah. That's USA three Canada one. Yes. And he's not ready to face everyone. Peter thinks it's easier with his family around him and he tells Daniel this has nothing to do with anyone else. Daniel just just doesn't want to say goodbye. Correct. Peter calls this self pity. And, and Daniel he's does not, not wrong. react well to this. Even though he's right. Peter says you disappear for a week. You force a man in his eighties to wander around Scotland for no reason. You may have lost the your wife. Hellscape of Scotland. <laughs> you may have lost your wife, but you're still a son, a brother and a dad. What would Sinead think about Daniel separating Bertie from his family? Bertie is all anyone has left of Sinead. And Peter goes to leave. I've said my piece, he says. Either come or don't. Do whatever you like, you pussy. And Peter gets home and explains what happened with Daniel. And Ken's cough doesn't seem to be getting any better. No. (laughs) And that's as far as we get with that this week. Do you think Daniel's coming back for for the funeral? I think he is now. I am keeping my counsel. I think he is now. I don't think he was, but after Peter tracked him down, I think he's going to... <clears throat> I don't think it does anything to the story for him and not show up. Mm. So, I don't think that was done well tonight at all. <laughs> what did you think? The whole... Because at first I thought he was talking to Bertie, but then when it, he said something like... We made love. Right. And I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> wait. What? Did I miss something here? Who is he talking to? <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Kate Bush got a mention. Right. He loves but... a bit of Kate Bush me. <laughs> Don't we all, Peter? Don't we all? <laughs> Although he's never read the book. No. Um, uh, it's just so melodramatic. Even for a soap. It was that was my problem. It was too melodramatic and they've they've done it so well up until now. Right. And now it's just gone off the deep end. Daniel's part in it has been I think uh, I think Sinead did, did such a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh Kate McGlynn did such a great job that everyone else round about while they did a fantastic job, they were still kinda of playing second fiddle to the to, to the her, main event. Yes. And I don't think I don't think since then, and especially tonight, I just I wasn't feeling it at all. I just felt it was just no, way was overdone. Just like, and that make a love line was just so cringy. <laughs> Nobody talks like that, do they? Especially not to themselves, right? <laughs> While holding their baby in a field overlooking Manchester, right? When you saw that, I was like, "That's does that mean to be Glasgow? Scotland. That's not Glasgow. <laughs> That's not Scotland." Mersey Tart called it, remember, in the five things last week. He uh-huh. said, that's not Scotland. There's no way the Scotland. <laughs> and here we thought it was, was like, wait, the hill no, up, no, the it, outside it, your mum's house. It did look like Scotland. It did look, look like the really hill outside my mum's yeah. house. Yeah. And everywhere else, it's not Glasgow. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Didn't, they, didn't they used to film bits of Coronation Street in Scotland? No, I don't think so. What am I thinking that they used to film? What did they used to film by uh, Loch, um, Loch Lomond? Let's take the high road. Oh, okay. 
or High Road as it got uh, I think it changed I don't think that's on anymore probably not did we talk about that I think we did the town of Luss that's on yeah Loch Lomond because I remember when we were walking around Luss uh-huh. either you or your mum mentioned that a show used to be filmed there yeah take the High Road okay Dougal Lachlan oh Dougal no you he take had a croft. the low road and I'll take the high road. He had a croft and, and he had lots of tops. F- female sheep. Before ya. Our final storyline tonight is, well, it's Robert. Oh. Let's untangle his web, shall we? Blah. Blah. I'd Ew. I just <laughs> licked the microphone. There are aspects of this that I... I Absolutely did not like. No, they're... But overall, I found the... Michelle is giving Tim's dad a run for his money. <laughs> I found this, the whole uh, coming out of this, that, you know, everyone now knows what was going on, immensely satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. This was a long time coming. And you know what? It's it, so... Lots of the stuff that happened this week in the storyline... So easily could have been done at the very beginning. Oh, yes. Like five months ago. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like the phone call. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Let's get through it. On Monday, Michelle Mm -hmm. has been up since four o'clock. She says she claims to be worried about Ali's meeting and Ali being exposed quite literally to Ray. Michelle then goes on to quiz Robert about his involvement with Tyler and Amy. And Robert is easily able to fend off the questions by insisting that he's just looking out for Amy, who he still cares about very much. Even though he never goes to see her. Michelle falls for it because of course she does. And then Robert asks to borrow Michelle's car. And with Michelle in the shower, Robert calls Irish Tina but gets her voicemail. I love how he has no qualms whatsoever about phoning his girlfriend in the living room of the flat where Michelle is just in the next room. Right, but she's in the shower. She can't hear him. I'm wearing a towel. <laughs> so, Emma is feeling better and bumps into Ali. I've kind of thrown all this in there. Emma's feeling better and bumps into Ali who explains about his meeting today. Emma offers to help and gives him his be- her best wishes. Then Robert is outside wanting to catch up with Amy but he's delayed by Ali who suddenly wants to chat about the meeting and Michelle's reaction to being asked not to attend. Robert is non-committal as he watches Amy get on the bus and then he gets a text from Tyler calling him a shitty friend for dobbing them in. Right, yeah, and it seems like he he wanted to speak to Amy about all of this. Right. Oh, and Maria also talks to... I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. Michelle sees Ray leave Alia outside speed dial... Michelle makes some thinly veiled suggestions that she doesn't, uh, that, sh- that she shouldn't meet Ray alone, and to keep an eye out for inappropriate advances. And she scuttles off when Ray appears in his shiny red Porsche. Ugh. So during Ray's meeting with Alia, he notices that she's a little distracted, and she's not very good at being subtle about this. And she no, says that she's, she's curious not. to know what happened between him and Michelle. And Ray says that two of them shared a moment, and he allowed it to happen to his eternal shame. It's all a bit embarrassing. Alia refuses to read the mood and asks him about inappropriate advances, which he denies, and says if it had happened, why would she have con- why would she have continued to work for him? She was worried about the truth getting out, he says, and Alia seems quite satisfied by this. Hmm. Robert, meanwhile, turns up at Irish Tina's. Tyler still Uh-oh. isn't happy with Robert. Nope. He doesn't understand why Robert had to stick his fucking neb in. Nope. And Robert clearly thinks Tyler is useless. 
The yes. Tyler gets a text from Amy asking why Robert gives a shit one way or the other about them. And Tyler is about to text back saying that his new stepdad has taken his responsibilities way too seriously. And Robert shits a brick and begs him not to send it. Right, yeah. And once again, this one simple text would have blown the whole thing open. Right. Very quickly. If Tyler had just kept his gob shut and just sent it. Right. <laughs> he claims Amy is full of baggage and is likely to drag Tyler down. Was the last time they got involved all sweetness and light, he says? He says he was just trying to do the right thing. Then Robert says Amy was laughing at Tyler with her friends. And he tells Tyler to forget about her and to just to quit contact. Yeah, and that was a shitty thing to do. Yes. That was a really shitty thing to do. Poor Tyler. Poor Amy. Robert sucks. <laughs> then Miles... Ray's lawyer turns up at the bistro and insults Michelle until Ray comes in and, and the explains the situation. That was, that was great. You suck. Thanks to Miles, he hasn't set foot in a court in seven years and Miles serves uh, Michelle with a notice that she's being sued for defamation and breach of contract. <laughs> ruh Then Emma grabs... I mean, we we shouldn't be laughing about this because... Uh, oh, Ray Weinstein Ray is, getting away with it. Ray yep. is also a horrible human being and disgusting and despicable and Michelle kind of trying to warn Alia is one of the only kind or noble things Michelle has ever done in her entire life so for her to be getting her comeuppance for actually doing the right thing for once I don't know I always get the feeling whenever she's doing the right thing she's doing the right thing for the wrong reason yeah and I don't know if that's the case here it probably isn't but I still get that not feeling. Like she's only doing it because Alia is dating her son. Right. So Emma grabs Dr. Gadas on her way to the meeting and pleads Alia's But not case. like that. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. She says that she's unreadable, like Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Maria comes along and joins in, saying doctors are human. And Gadas isn't too interested and goes off to her stupid bloody meeting. Right. And, and Maria also says, you know, Alia was, or Ali was just... You know, he just had this bad breakup and everything else, and there was a lot of baggage and everything. And and Doctor Gaddis does seem to take this into account. Right. A Michelle little. phones Robert, who's driving, explaining about the lawsuit and stuff, apologizing that she messed up. And Robert lies about his whereabouts. He says that he's going to Sandbach, but he's really going to Irish Tina's or there or yeah, somewhere like that. Or driving home from it. Wherever and he's then is. distracted by a notification on his phone and plows into a lorry. Michelle and shouts his name. And the him. Some and he th- swerves into the lorry. That lorry driver seemed a little intoxicated, didn't he? I just thought he was excited to be in Corey. <laughs> he was kind of stumbling a little bit. He just been in an accident. I didn't know if it was meant... Yeah, but he's the one in the lorry. He didn't get hurt. He's in a lorry. <laughs> It doesn't suit up when you say lorry. Lorry in an American accent doesn't work. He's you can say truck. Big this way. truck. <laughs> well, not a pickup truck. He's like an eighteen wheeler, only not an eighteen wheeler, because there are no eighteen wheelers there because it's it's a small country. No, we don't need that many wheels. No. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle shouts his name into the phone and then tries to call him, but gets his voice well. The lorry driver finds Robert bloodied and unconscious. Yay! So Michelle is phoning around and hospitals. Speckled. <laughs> It's just like he had a really bad shave, didn't it? Right, yeah. I guess that's the shards of glass from the I think the that's window? what we're asked to believe, yeah. It's a weird thing, though. 
It's very weird. So Michelle is phoning around hospitals and police stations, but no luck. In comes Amy, and Michelle snaps at her for no reason except that she's a cow. Michelle thinks that he's dead in a ditch, and she has to go, even though she has no idea where. Meanwhile, Ali meets Toy on the rovers. The board aren't taking the matter any further, and it seems Gadas made an appeal on Ali's behalf. Emma says that Maria was the real hero of the piece, and Toya thinks he should speak with Maria and tells him that this should be a wake-up call for him. Uh-oh. So Michelle's idea of not hanging around the bistro is hanging around at home. Ryan comes in looking for news, but there is none, and Ali's already there phoning around to hospitals again. Finally, Michelle gets a call that she thinks is from Robert, but it's actually from the police. He's alive, and he's in Macclesfield. He's alive! He's, he's in Macclesfield. Ryan is... Ryan is confused. He thought Robert was supposed to be in Sandbatch. Why would he lie? And Michelle gets ready to go and ropes the boys in too. indeed? And privately, Ryan tells Ali that he has form for lying about where he is. Because some weeks ago, he lied about being on the M60 and there was an accident. Right. But Ryan, who for that week was friends with our traffic and travel guy, right. knew that there was no accident on the M60. Yeah. Yeah, Gary turns right. up at Maria's with a present for her. It's a fancy bag. The Ooh. same one that Meghan Markle has. Ooh. But Gary tells her it's a fake. Right, because she freaks out. It's so expensive. It's so expensive. And so he lies and says it's a fake. Right. But it's not a fake. In comes Emma asking if Ali can ring to thank him for sticking up for him. And Gary isn't pleased by this, calling Ali ungrateful. Oh, go fuck off, Gary. Then Michelle and the boys find Robert in the hospital. Ali says that he's getting surgery on his leg, but he's going to be okay. Ali and Ryan leave Michelle with him. <laughs> As he starts to come round, and he asks how his baby is. She says that she's fine. Oh, got tickets on yourself, Michelle, have you? Mm-hmm. No, not you, you cow. My other baby, says Robert. <laughs> and before Michelle can quiz him on this, he's rushed off to theatre for that leg surgery. Correct. And the leg surgery's gone well, and Yay. he should be out in a couple of days. Ooh. Michelle hasn't got to the bottom of the Macclesfield thing. Ali points out the bag Macklemore? with stuff that Robert had on him prior to the surgery. And Michelle goes through it. Kaylin and finds the god-awful Big Daddy dog tags that are even worse than I remember them being. See, he really is Macklemore. I don't know what that is. He's, he's, a, he's a white rapper. Oh god, that's never a good thing. He's the one who sings that song about uh, going to the thrift store. No. On Wednesday, Michelle comes into Roy's Rolls to chat with Carla. She asks if Carla can hold the fort, but she's busy with Roy business. It seems... Roy's business. It seems Michelle has already phoned Carla about Robert's big daddy necklace. And what's all this and what's with all this lying? Why was he even in Macclesfield, Macklemore? Come Robert, who looks like he's had a really bad morning shave again, is walking the corridors with his drip when he bumps into Irish Tina's midwife who recognises him. She, she tells him to look after his fiance when Michelle walks in wondering how the nurse knows that he's engaged. And he Uh-oh. talks his way out of it, but she doesn't look like she's fallen for it this time. Nope. She's fussing around Robert back in the room when he notices, presumably for the first time, that his big daddy chain is on the nightstand. <gasps> he sends Michelle off to get more water and then quickly throws the dog tags in the trash. Michelle comes back and immediately asks about the necklace. Who gave oh, him it? She doesn't immediately ask. She talks, to, she talks to him about some other things and asks him some other questions and stuff. And it's like, oh, by the way, where did the god-awful big daddy thing come from? And why isn't it there? Where yep. did it go? That's weird, it was there last night, but now it's gone. Either someone else has nabbed it, or he has. And why would he do that? He says he admits to throwing it out, and she asks who gave him it, and he claims it was the lads from the Young Offenders. Yeah, and the they call thing him Big Daddy. Because they can't call him Big Brother or something. That's just so creepy. Yeah. Ugh. 
it was a detour to take one of the staff members home. She talks about yesterday and him being out of it, but uh, and that he said something, something about another baby. He pleads innocence, but she wants honesty. Is he still after a baby? He says not, and he blames the drugs. And that's actually the truth. He's not after another baby because he He's already, already has one coming. <laughs> So, Irish Tina is up to high door, worried about Robert and has left tons of messages and now she says that she can't remember the last time the baby moved. She has to go to hospital. Because of course she does. Because it's a coming. Right. Michelle admits to being suspicious because of his behaviour and also getting sued by Ray, plus Ali's meeting and all that stuff. Him getting hit by a lorry was the she last thing that really, she needed. She doesn't really, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't really care about any of this except for her. Him getting hit by a lorry. It's the last thing she needed. <laughs> so Irish Tina's at the hospital and the baby is now kicking like nobody's business the midwife happens along because of course she does and after a fashion she tells Irish Tina that she's asking after Robert Irish Tina's confused so the midwife explains that oh he's in hospital he's had a car accident so Michelle has left Robert's bedside to get some snacks and so of course Irish Tina rushes in to see him she's confused how she knew he's confused how she it's knew it's a wacky situation comedy now just such a farcical set of circumstances He's confused how she knew he was there. Never mind all that. I'm here, she says, and I'm going nowhere. Then Robert gets a text from Michelle telling him that she's on her way back. With his freshly squeezed orange juice. <laughs> Irish Tina mentions that she was here because of the baby, and he plays on this big time, telling her to go and insists that she gets checked out properly. She agrees and says that she'll be back as quickly as she can. Later, now Michelle is back with Robert, and he has something to tell her, something that he's had on his plate for months but knew would upset her. It's Ali. He's a junkie. And Michelle, because she's an awful mother, had no idea, but she manages to be furious that he'd keep this to himself, and she storms off, something that Robert probably hoped would have happened. Right, yes. Well done, Robert, for throwing Ali under the bus to get yourself out of trouble. Right. You're both horrible people. Now Irish Tina is back. The baby is fine. And then she starts talking about him coming home with her when he gets out, and until then she's not leaving his side. I thought at this point, this would be hilarious if... Uh, both these women were figments of Robert's imagination. <laughs> <laughs> you really like this whole characters as figments of one another's imagination. One day. One day this will happen. Meanwhile, back at the bistro, Michelle is having a heated conversation with Ali. Ali isn't chuffed that Robert dobbed him in. This is beside the point, says Michelle. Ali doesn't want to talk about it, and Robert knew that Ali wanted to tell Michelle himself. Michelle says that Robert was only keeping an eye on him and Ali points out that he hasn't seen Robert in forever and why bring this up now? Michelle, who looked like she had fallen for it, now looks like she hasn't fallen for it and so she heads back off to the hospital in Macclesfield, about 20 miles away. Macklemore? <laughs> Robert is doing his best to get Irish Tina to get to fuck. She has a baby to worry about and that's enough to convince her and off she goes. But not before she finds the big daddy necklace back in the trash which Robert thinks he must have knocked off the table by accident. I thought Michelle had taken it um, out and given it back to him. Yeah, and then he threw it away and he again. threw it away again? Okay. I don't know. She fishes it out and puts it back on him and once she's gone, Robert calls the nurse and begins to get dressed. There's an emergency at home. Text. He has to go. Michelle comes in and Robert's away getting ready. The nurse thinks Robert tries to make himself look all nice for all his female visitors and Michelle is confused as Robert comes back into the room. What do you mean all his female visitors? She's not sure why he's discharging himself although she thinks it must be boring with only Michelle there to visit him. Robert says he doesn't mind and he doesn't bite and Michelle now looks super super duper suspicious. Now Robert is not alone in his room. There's another, There's another guy there. <laughs> I kept expecting that guy 
to say something about these two women coming back and forth. Because why why have him in a non-private room with another person in the room? Because that rarely happens in the show. (laughs) That they're not in a private hospital room. I would have loved... I just kept expecting him to pop up and say, wow. The fuck is going on here? (laughs) I just needed him to be... Because when you first saw him, he was kind of out. It looked like he was sleeping. Right. We should have seen him gradually waking up, coming to, and then sitting just watching, <laughs> just in the background, just watching what was going on with a raised eyebrow going, What? Maybe I'm imagining all this. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, that was great. So, Robert's home and Michelle needs to go to see Adam about the Ray thing. Robert tells her that after the accident, she was all that he could think about. No sooner has she gone and Robert's on the phone to Irish Tina. He pretends he's still at the hospital and makes sure that she doesn't drop by unannounced tomorrow. (laughs) Then he goes onto his tablet and and voggles paternity rights. Yeah. Michelle's not going to see Adam, though. She's at the bistro talking it over with Carla. She doesn't know what's going on. Why did Robert get involved with the Amy Tyler thing? Why did he say he was stuck on the motorway when there wasn't an accident that time? What about Macclesfield? What about this engagement ring thing? What about ne- the necklace? Nurse is talking about female visitors. The only thing that Michelle knows is that Robert's lying about something. And what else could he be lying about? Hint. Everything. Pretty much. Oh, what this is fairly lengthy. <laughs> on Friday, Michelle is on Robert's phone and uh, has stuffed it down the couch when she hears him come in. He says he's off to work the stuff that he needs to do in Stoke. She calls him committed to those young offenders, but Robert has been given something to think about uh, after the accident, and his plan is to quit the programme and focus on Michelle. So off he limps, and Michelle is immediately back on the phone as soon as he's gone. Michelle has carried her arse and Robert's phone over to the bistro. She explains to Carla that she's snooping. No dodgy photos or texts, though, she says. Maybe she's been paranoid. He claims he's off to Stoke, and Carla tells him... Does he just delete all of Irish Tina's... I guess he must. Carla tells Michelle to phone his work. That's weird, says Michelle. It's a mobile number. And I think she must phone director inquiries or something and she's put through to the Young Offenders Unit, who, of course, have no fucking clue who Robert Preston is. Right, yeah. Why wouldn't you just call that cell phone number? Right. Because hmm. that's Irish Tina. I right, think. yeah. So Carla's having a stoop on the phone and it seems that she might have found something. Robert has gotten a taxi to visit Irish Tina's and is somewhat standoffish to her. She can't believe that he's out of the hospital and then she starts showing him baby clothes. He says he doesn't want to hurt her, but... And then Irish Tina can see the writing on the wall here and has already worked it out. Absolutely. Robert tells her that he doesn't want to be with her anymore. The accident has made him reassess things. Irish Tina reminds him that she gave him ample opportunity to back out of this if his heart wasn't in it. Right. But instead, he let her fall in love with the baby. He tells her he's fond of her. And... <laughs> Fun. He tells, because she says, You don't oh. love me, do you even like me? And he says, Of course I like you, I'm really fond of you. Ugh. And she does not react kindly to this. Well, who would? And she throws the ring back at him. This was all about getting one over on Jed, she says. She calls him selfish and tells him the next time he's in an accident, do the fucking job properly. And if he leaves, she's going to go back to Ireland. Yeah, a fair, a fair point. She was all ready to go back to Ireland. You know, and have he, a he have a life with Jed. He could have very easily let her go, and that would have made his life much easier. And he's got the baby fever. Ugh. So she goes mental at Robert and seems to take a bit of a turn. And meanwhile, Carla and Michelle turn up on the Irish Tina's street. 
Robert, brain of Britain that he has, has marked the street on his Vogel maps. They're about to go when they see Robert arguing on the doorstep up ahead. Hang on a minute, says Michelle. That's Irish Tina. That's Tyler's mum. They see Robert get sent... Who was it? Was it Christy P? Right. A, a Twitter that said that she was slightly disappointed that they said there's Mich- there's Vicky instead of there's Irish Tina. Right. They see Robert... Oh. They see Robert get sent packing in his taxi and they notice that either Irish Tina is hiding a rolled up parka up her jumper or... Oh my God, says Michelle. Belter. She's a pregnant. Carla's quick to blame Irish Tina. What? <laughs> but Michelle just wants to go home. So back home, Robert explains to Michelle that he's packed in his job at Stoke. And Michelle says, oh, I found your phone, by the way. Robert shits himself and says, you'd never believe the price of a taxi to Stoke and back. And Michelle agrees, especially when he went to Macclesfield to see Irish, pregnant Irish Tina. Mm-hmm. Robert isn't sure what Michelle thinks that she saw. <laughs> <laughs> but Michelle is too bored to listen to any more of this. No more lies. Seriously. No more I can explain, she says. No. She wants the truth or she's walking out the door. Yes. And he admits that it's his baby. Michelle calls Irish Tina a skank, which is a bit rich. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Michelle. <laughs> and asks how Robert could do this after Steve. He I says, wait a minute. They weren't together when he slept with Irish Tina and he didn't know that she was pregnant when they got back together. And this is true. Yeah. Th- yeah. He says he tried to tell her, but there was never the right time. Well, the, and this is not true. Well, he did, I think, I think he, he tried to tell her once or yeah. twice. He says he was going to tell her when the baby was born. <laughs> <laughs> he made a mistake, no. a one night stand, and suddenly he was going to be a dad. And this is not true. He didn't want to lose the baby or Michelle. And when Irish Tina threatened an abortion, what? he had to stick around. It's he tells her that he only slept really with Irish Tina once. Which is not true. No, he's been pounding that. Yeah, they were they were having an actual relationship. That's where Robert was all that time when he was away before Michelle said, I want to get back together with you. Right. He's paying for that house. Is he paying for that? Is he? He was. I guess. Because remember, remember when Gary came to Irish Tina to try to get money off of her that she owed... Yep. Rick the chin, right. and she and she said, <laughs> "I've got a good fella now." Right, you know, implied that that Robert was paying the bills there. Yep, a bit of a sugar daddy. Yeah, rest in peace, Rick the chin. <laughs> Rick the chin, forty-two. His chin was twenty-six. <laughs> That's still funny. <laughs> Michelle asks what today's argument was about oh. and he explains he was there to break up with her Michelle doesn't believe any of it Robert insists that he was just trying to do the right thing she tells him he's full of shit and baby fever he admits to lying in the past once or twice and baby shit <laughs> he admits to lying in the past once or twice once but or he's, twice but he's telling the truth now she's heard enough and she leaves and where did she go? she goes to Irish Tina's oh and I hate this but rather than join the sisterhood of women fucked over by Robert Preston, Michelle goes on the attack, continuing the skank motifs and suggesting Ugh. that she was treating the baby as a bargaining chip against Robert. Irish Tina isn't sure why Michelle gives a shit either way, and Michelle tells her that they're engaged to be married. Funny that, so are we, says Irish Tina, right. and produces her own ring from a drawer, but not like that. Uh-huh. This seems to do the trick as far as shutting Michelle up is concerned. A little. Irish Tina notices that Michelle's ring is the one that Robert gave her first, but he said it was fake. Michelle dives into her book of childish insults and says, Irish Tina is the only thing fake around here. Okay. What do you want, Michelle, she, she asks. 
And she insults the fact that she uses a lot of pink in her decor. Yes. Oh, that's... It's very pink in here. Cutting to the quick. Yeah. It's it's called color, Michelle. Color. Something your flat is missing an awful lot of. <laughs> she accuses Michelle of burning her head in the sand and she points out all the stuff that uh, she and Robert bought together. How he said that she and the baby were all he cared about. And then she says that Michelle and she are as gullible as each other. And Michelle leaves a good deal quieter than she arrived. Yeah, but then... Robert's on the vino when Michelle gets back. She says Irish Tina gave her a lot to think about and reports back with what she'd been told, how she had a cheap, nasty engagement ring. If you were engaged, you wouldn't keep it in a drawer like that, like it was a piece of shit. And she says Irish Tina is a pathological liar. She believes Robert was on a date for getting her knocked up, but she believes he didn't cheat on her. Robert pretends to be surprised about the supposed engagement. What happens now, he asks. He wants everything to be alright, and she points out that he still lied to her, and that hospital thing is what saved him. She wants to forgive him, she just doesn't know if she can, but she's going to try. But she's going to sleep on the sofa, and so he hobbles off to the bedroom and apologises on his way. He closes the door, and as soon as he does, she pulls the bistro deeds of ownership from out of her duvet for some reason, and then phones Adam, who she says if she can speak to him urgently tomorrow. And that's how we end yeah. this week's episode. I, I know it's it's the uh, tomorrow's the funeral of your your uncle's your aunt technically, right. but I need to see you right away uh, about this deeds of ownership thing. Right? Do you think Michelle meant it? The whole, you know, why would you keep your ring in a drawer stuff? Because of course, this is why I think there's going to be a, a wedding. This is this is of course because. Of course you would keep, if he just broke it off, she's not going to be still wearing the ring. Why would Irish Tina still be wearing the ring if Robert broke it off? I'm surprised she still has it. I'm surprised she didn't throw it in the canal. This is all, this is all play acting by Michelle. She's wanting to get Robert in a place where she can do whoever she wants them. The most damage. Right. She's going to pretend... And then she's going to dig in the knife. Yeah, and I think they're probably going to get... I think there's going to be a wedding. I don't think they're going to get married. I no. think there's going to be a wedding, though. And I think that's when it's all going to come out. And that's when she's going <coughs> to publicly humiliate him. And he'll I leave the show and... Pulling down his trousers and his pants. <laughs> Say, there Spank, it is. Spanking him on the bottom. There it is. This thing impregnated Irish One Tina. One ball, by the way. Look at it. Everyone look. Everyone look. <laughs> One ball. It's not really something I want to think about this week. <laughs> or any week. But especially this one. Or anyone. But <laughs> Michelle is just a horrible character, isn't she? Yes, yeah, she's, she's not. So, it, it, it feels like they're making her more and even more horrible than she already was. She's Because Kate's gone. So now Michelle has to be the really selfish one mm-hmm. who's a big cow and doesn't care about anybody but herself, although she pretends really well that she does care about other people. I mean, I know she's leaving the show, but do they have to make her so horrible? I'm not even sure that they're aware that that's what they're doing. I wonder if we're supposed to feel really dead sympathetic and stuff towards Michelle. For calling Irish Tina a skank? Right. I think, well, I think we're supposed to be on her side. No. 
we can't possibly be on her side of this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that's what we're supposed to be thinking. I think we're supposed to be favouring Michelle over Irish Tina. I, I favour Irish Tina. Oh, so do I. Because <laughs> this is not her fault at all. No, she's a completely and innocent bystander. There's, there's nothing wrong with the Irish. And I wish all of these English people would stop acting like Irish people are skanks. Well, we're the ones that have been calling her Irish Tina for about a year, so... Right, but that's not calling her a skank, it's calling her Irish Tina. I guess. There's a difference. I'm sure that's much, much better. It is much, much better. No, that, that's... I think this There's, is all obvious lies from Michelle to to lull Robert into a false sense of security here. Because now he's... Yeah, because I he think... He has no, think, nowhere else to turn now. He's, I think Vicky has struck a nerve there with Michelle. I think Vicky did... I called her Vicky. You did it twice. Yeah, well, that's fine. That's fine. I think I think she did get through to Michelle. I don't know what Michelle was thinking going there. She gave her and enough. I really, I really expected her to open the door and say, "Okay, this is what he said. Tell me your side." Right. But instead, she go. She attacks her, her paint job in her own house. In her by own the way. house. Calls her a skank. Yada yada yada. Right. It's like hi. Pregnant with this kid, we were together while you were not together. I was under the impression you're still not together. Right, I have done nothing wrong here. Yeah, she absolutely <laughs> has done nothing wrong here. Got screwed out of getting back with Jed, mm-hmm. the most Irish name ever. <laughs> Which, okay, he didn't seem like He's a the catch of the well. day right. himself, but still... Back in Ireland, I would imagine she would have been happier. He was Tyler going to take on the baby. He was going to take on the baby. He was going to be. He was going to be there for her. Right, and he probably wouldn't have been in the long no, run. No, be that would never have lasted. But, but still, she had this opportunity and she turned it down because Robert lied to her. <laughs> Remember when I used to like Robert? Um, yeah, and all this five months ago when. Uh, they got back together again. When Michelle and Robert go back together again, if Robert said, look, before we get back together again, there's something you need to know. I've been in this relationship with Irish Tina. Right. And I've knocked her up. But he, well, he didn't know that at the time. Before, when when Michelle wanted to get back together, he didn't know that Irish Tina was knocked up. Right. He found that out. But if he just said, look, you need to know this before we get back together again. I still don't understand why he hid the fact that he was in a new relationship to begin with. Aren't these supposed to be adults? Yeah. Well, he had to hide something because, remember, he was a suspect in the uh, Roof Ninja thing. Right, yeah. So he had to have a secret. Roof Ninja. <laughs> Backward life was so much simpler. So simple. <laughs> I just found my uh, Kana sweatshirt hanging oh, in the closet. I need to start wearing that now that it's cold yeah. again. Okay, so Ugh. your moment of the week. Hmm. I usually try to take a note of some suggestions, but I haven't done that this week. I'm not feeling very well. I really I really liked I really liked the Emma and Amy stuff, but I can't I can't mm. put my finger on something that was like this is moment of the week worthy. No, nothing stood out. It was sweet, but nothing's really stood out. 
What was the first storyline again? First storyline was Roy meeting his half brother. Oh, oh, moment of the week. Moment of the week. Kaylin. <laughs> Although they were, what was moment of the week last week? Our moment of the week last week. Oh, it was David and um. Yeah, get married. The 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 mayor, and we see none of them this week. No, and that's fine. They've all left. Uh, uh, Gemma. Gail's away back to Thailand. Gemma's eyes when that woman said 50 grand. That's my moment of the week. Oh, I thought you were going to do something from the Carl and Roy thing. No. So that moment where Gemma decides to just keep her mouth shut. Yes. <laughs> and her eyes kind of boggle out of her head. and She she looks like a kid. She looks like a kid in the candy store. Like, this, this like is, is, this... it, is it just the weight of the quads and her mother and Chesney and Paul just lifts off of her with that, you know, it just, the look of joy on her face. This will be the second really time genuine. in maybe three weeks when we've given it to uh, Gemma reacting to something. Right. Reacting to something without saying a word. Right. Because she's a brilliant actress and we need to give her credit because people treat her like Gemma's a gobby mess and and everything so I think she deserves it I was going to try and make a case for uh, when Michelle finds out when Michelle sees Irish Tina I thought that Carla said something funny in the car (laughs) but it turns out that she didn't she just said oh yeah that is Irish Tina but I'm not giving moment of the week to Michelle ever okay (laughs) I mean I'm sure we did like way back in the past but I'm not sure that we did a horrible person, and I refuse to give her a moment of the week. Okay, so Gemma reacting to finding out that she's just going to be 50 grand better off is our... Moment of the week! Moment of the week? Our boring moment of the week. Am mm. I talking about jam? Mm. Do you know what? I think it's Daniel on the <laughs> wild and windy moors. <laughs> Daniel's Heathcliff moment. Yeah, I just it wasn't so much boring, but it was really overdone. It's an overdone moment of the week. Well, and in 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 the end, that makes it boring because it's so overdone. You're just kind of like, oh, just stop talking. So yeah, that's our moment. That's that's the boring moment of the week. I really enjoyed Peter in that scene, though. Yes, I thought Peter was fantastic. Yes. So once Peter gets there, it's it's not the boring moment of the week anymore. It's just that part with just Daniel. In fact. Peter, arguably, was a little moment of the week there. Yeah, but I don't want to give it it. to Peter because Daniel's in it as well. (laughs) Okay, so... So, so Daniel being a... Heathcliff. Right, that's our... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Okay, I don't know if I've mentioned this or not, but I'm not feeling very well. No, go to bed. We're going to wrap this up. Yeah, I might just finish this off tomorrow morning. Go to bed. So to speak. But not like that. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay then. <laughs> if you have a honking piece of jewellery that you'd like to complain about, consider us chat for gold. Drop us a line at the talk of the street at gmail.com, which uncoincidentally is also how you can leave us a voicemail on Skype or plunk a couple of badgers into our virtual tip jar. But not like that. For all other social media needs, we are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thank you ever so much for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Applebore? <laughs> Cheerio. Bye.
This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.